Ladies and gentlemen, you may have noticed that the MathFactor servers have been offline for the last week. We deeply regret any inconvenience this may have caused our listeners. As you might know, Fayetteville, Arkansas has been caught in the grips of an ice storm that left us without power or heat for almost a week and uh, took our servers down and caused an immense amount of chaos. So I think we're back up. Here is uh, the segment that aired on the radio on January the 25th, and as a bonus, the very first segment that we ever played. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. With me is Heim Goodman-Strauss. Good morning, Kyle. I'm uh, a math professor at the University of Arkansas. Good morning. Happy fifth anniversary. Five years ago now? Today, this Sunday. Yes. Now, I know I said it last Sunday. Yeah. No, it was this Sunday. It's January 25th. 2004. Is when we started doing right. these conversations. And um, I was listening to the uh, piece this morning mm-hmm. that we did, the very first The very first, first one? one? Yeah. And uh, what I didn't realize is that actually uh, the problem that we asked a couple of weeks ago about the coin tosses mm-hmm. is actually very closely related to the very first problem we did. Well, I knew that, that it was vaguely in that time period, but it was actually the very first one. So Nice symmetry. So I'll that. put that on the uh, web. Okay. So today I just wanted to discuss uh, Google, flutes, and Monopoly. And so it's like kind of a riddle. What's the connection between Google, flutes, and Monopoly? So you're talking the search, en- the search engine Google, yeah. the musical instrument flutes, uh-huh. and the game Monopoly. Yeah. Now we could not just flutes, any stringed instrument, any... Uh, I don't know. Any, I, don't, I, I don't have any, a quick answer. Any kind of a game. Well, I know. It's sort of... I, a, I would say there's some like sort of lame, element of chance. Like what's but, the... Right. It's sort of a lame... Uh, Riddle, because it's a mathematical question, really. And I think, you know, can I just sort of say, this is what's so neat about mathematics, I think, is that we can abstract principles that would apply across these wide range of things that seem so different, but they would have some sort of underlying commonality between them. The answer is kind of that they all have a resonance within them. So a flute obviously resonates. Right. And what happens is that the air's moving around, and then it's sort of there's certain kinds of modes that it likes, the air likes to vibrate inside of a flute, mm-hmm. and that becomes the note, right? Mm-hmm. That same thing exactly applies very, very widely. Well, I do want to ask you, have uh, you've, you've brought into the studio two coffee cups, standard-sized coffee cups, with water in each of them. That's right. They both have the same amount of water mm-hmm. in each of them. Let's say uh, four ounces. Okay. okay. Just for the sake of having something. Roughly four ounces, right. Okay. So, um, no, not full, because we're going to be transferring water from one cup to the other. Now, it's a little tricky what we're going to have to do. We have to get uh, – so physically, maybe we can't really do this. We just have to kind of imagine it. Okay. So um, what we're going to do is all the water in the first cup, mm-hmm. at every step, all the water in the first cup will appear in the second cup at the next step. So we're going to do okay. step by step. We're going gotcha. to repeat. So all the water here in, in cup f- one will appear in cup two gotcha. at the second step. Meanwhile, half of the water in cup two at a given step will appear in cup one at the next step. Okay. So, for example, if we started out with four ounces in both cups, uh, if you think about it, let's see. The four ounces in cup one are going to appear in cup two, and meanwhile, right. half of the four oh, ounces in cup two are going to appear in cup one. This this is having simultaneously. Simultaneously. Okay, right. so, so now it's six ounces in cup two, two ounces in cup one. That's right. And now mm-hmm. we repeat it. So two ounces from cup one go to cup two, and then while three ounces from cup two are going to cup one. So now we have three in cup one and five in cup two. And then we just do this endlessly. Gotcha. gotcha. Now the magical thing is that 
just like when we blew in the air in the flute, all the air is moving around, but there's certain kind of resonances, certain kinds of ways that the air likes to move that somehow is reinforced mm-hmm. by the physics of the flute itself. In the same way, there's sort of a resonance here that there's a certain amount, of, certain proportion of water that no matter how you start out, it's going to drift right towards that. And I won't give that away. The question is actually, here's this week's puzzle. Okay. How much water will be um, tend to be in cup two and how much water will tend to be in cup one if you do this over and over and over again? In and fact, again, no you're starting how, out with four ounces in both. Yeah. Actually, it doesn't matter. The, you'll get the same answer as long as you start out with a total of eight ounces in the beginning. Really? So if it was yeah. seven and one and one yeah. and two? Yeah, it'll, go, it'll end up the same way if you do hmm. it long enough. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. then I think I have an idea what the answer might be if it always ends up the same way. Yeah. But I'm not going to – I'm going to – I'm going to save it. I have an idea. Well, one one thing we can see is that the the cups won't be empty. Right? Yeah, because there's always some water moving. That's right. And, and you couldn't the, get to and the fuller nil. one cup is than the full than the naturally the fuller right. the other cup will be. So there's sort of this tension, right? And that's where the resonance comes from. Well, instead of having uh, two cups, we can think of a really stupid game mm-hmm. where. Not like Monopoly, which has forty uh, spaces, I guess, but something really dumb with just two spaces. Okay. Let's call them go and jail or something. Okay. (laughs) Stop and go? Could we do that? Stop and go. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So if you're on stop, Uh you roll the die, and no matter what it is, you go. Right. (laughs) You move to the go space. (laughs) And if you're on go? Then half the time, you roll the die, and if you get one through three, you move to stop, and otherwise you stay on go. So that's a really lousy game. (laughs) (laughs) But it's actually a lot like the the water game, because if you think about it, you know, if we think of cup one as being uh, the, the stop cup... Mm-hmm. Then any particle, any little atom of any little molecule of water is going to certainly go to the other cup, right? Right. And then meanwhile, if cup two is the go cup, then it has a 50, any given molecule has a fifty percent chance of moving to the first cup, right? Right. Stop cup or staying in the go cup. So it's the same thing. And again, there's this resonance, and we can figure out exactly what portion of the time you might expect to be in the go spot. Sure. Well, Monopoly is the same thing. But a lot more spaces. a lot more spaces and a lot more complicated because if you're on a given spot, the probability of ending up in another spot is, you know, you have to, if you really think about it, you've got to take into account doubles. Right. uh, There's that chance card move back three and jail and all that. But it's the same principle. At any given spot, there's a probability you'll move to the... uh, somewhere else. And again, resonances pop up. And supposedly, I haven't checked this, but the urban legend at least mm-hmm. is that Illinois Avenue is the somehow is a little bit more weighted. To use the analogy of water, that there'd be a little more water in Illinois Avenue. But if that's true, it, it's not dramatically more no, it than be. Marvin Gardens no, or be. B&O Railroad or anything like that. It couldn't be. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'd never land on Illinois. It's the cruddiest. I, by the way, here's my <laughs> advice. Don't buy green and don't buy red. That's my... Well, you should buy everything, right? I have but, always heard, you know, different people have different theories. I've always heard if you early in the game, if you land on property and you can afford it, oh, you, buy you it should up. buy it. I'll do that too. See, I and this is why I always lose. I always think, well, I'm going to get to Park Place, yeah. and I'm just going to save money. I want to have. I my worst fear is that I get to Park Place and I can't afford it. Oh yeah, and then I. Well, you know that strategy works for my son every time. Really, it seems like he always gets that neighborhood and wipes us out before you we, can get that, and so. you're in great shape. Uh, and then Google works. Yes, the same you way mentioned too. Google. So we Google, know floats. It's we know. just exactly the same kind of thing. So uh, every given page has a whole bunch of links coming out of it, and we can think of those as again these kinds of uh, trend. Like if you're on a given page, mm-hmm. say the stop page and the go page, right? Right. And uh, say the stop page again 
cup one page has one link to the other page, and then somehow, well, the, I guess the thing the page doesn't link to itself, really, does it? Google doesn't count that, so right. the analogy kind of breaks down. But uh, in a more complicated fashion, every given page links to a whole bunch of others, and you can think of those as probabilities, as rolling the die, and with some probability you'll go to the another page. And again, the same phenomenon happens where there's sort of resonances build up, and the things that resonate the most, the pages that uh, sort of, in a sense, hold the most water, so to speak, uh, those are the ones that have the higher page ranking. So it's very much hmm. the same kind of thing. This kind of phenomenon is so widespread. I mean, it applies to even like the cruise control of our cars, apparently. Really? Anything where there's kind of a feedback mechanism uh, has, well, not anything, but a huge range of situations where there's a kind of feedback mechanism uh, can be analyzed in the same kind of theory. Of, it's called Markov chains, Markov partitions. Markov, Markov was a oh. mathematician. And so uh, it's just really neat hmm. that all this stuff is tied together. Very interesting. And and so the question, to go back, you want to know how much water, if you do this over and over, and you started with eight ounces. Today we started with four in each. Yeah. And you do it how many times? Just? Well, you have to do it forever to get it exactly. <laughs> but the point is, is that as Uh-oh. you do it, as you do it, it gets closer and closer to a specific right. answer. Right. So, and there's one answer that's exact. So, like when it actually is a, that specific limiting answer, if you happen to start with that one, mm-hmm. then it'll just be stable. It'll the amount of water in each cup will be the same. For Where the should people uh, send this answer? Well, how about mathfactor at york.edu? Thank That'll you. Work. And we'll put a more detailed. Uh, discussion there at okay. mathfactor.york.edu. And if you find that puzzle too easy, then, uh, of course, there's an infinite universe of ex- – I mean, there's a vast literature on this. Right. So You couldn't – could you could you complicate it up and have three cups? Oh, yeah. And so a third of cup three goes back? Oh, yeah. You could – Okay. Then that's just the beginning. Oh, so. okay. There's <laughs> – there's, Hundreds of books written on this subject. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm thanks a lot. Thank you. I'm Goodman Strauss, is a math professor at the University of Arkansas. And now, the very first Math Factor episode ever. I'm Jacqueline Froelich. Good morning. This is Sunday Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. Joining me in the studio this morning, I'm Goodman Strauss, a math professor at the University of Arkansas. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for coming in. Oh, you bet. Part of your Sunday morning. Um, Over the past year or so, you have had a problem of the week that's been distributed to the university community. Yes, over our email listserv, and it's really gotten quite a nice response. should say it's a story problem. A story problem, right. We thought, okay, let's Let's try it out. Let's challenge the the Ozarks at Large listeners. Uh, So there will be a problem each Sunday, a chance for you to win a prize, a modest prize. This is public radio. And we'll give the answer the following Sunday. We'll also allow you to to reread it if if you hear it and you're on your way to the market or to church. We'll have it on a web page and so forth. You can go to the Ozarks at Large page and and reread it. But uh, this week's first problem is inspired. Well, it was posed first by uh, uh, physicists. Really wonderful physicist from the last century, that is the 20th century, named George Gamow. I learned immediately after this aired that his name is pronounced Gamow. Who wrote uh, a number of books popularizing various physical ideas. And uh, one book in particular that I really do enjoy and would encourage you all to 
check out, it should be at the Fayetteville Public Library shortly, is Mr. Tompkins in paperback. Mr. Tompkins is a hapless banker who's in love with a physicist's daughter. And to woo her, to impress her, I suppose, he goes to, his, to her father's lectures but always falls asleep. And so the premise of the book is that uh, many ideas from modern physics, such as relativity and quantum mechanics, are explained through Mr. Tompkins's dreams. So, for example, one of his dreams is that he gets on a bicycle and starts pedaling, but the speed of light is just a little bit faster. Well, now let he... me ask you about that, because there's the comedian Stephen Wright, who has the old, or has a joke that he often tells that, what if I had a car that went the speed of light, would my headlights work? Right, precisely. So all kinds of strange things would happen. I don't know, would, <laughs> would they work or not? But Yeah, my Subaru the... Justy didn't, uh, didn't have that problem. Right. <laughs> In any case, that's the kind of thing that... Uh, he encounters. So it's a great book. George Gamal wrote some others, and um, I encourage you all to check it out. So, And his last name is spelled? G-A-M-O-W. Gamal. So okay. anyway, this, is, this isn't from that book, but this is a problem that he posed. Well, my wife sort of discouraged me from doing this in rhyme and in funny voices, so I'll just, <laughs> I'll just do a little bit of it. Though. Okay. I, the sultan, thus decree, this is how I'd like things to be. And he went on to make a statement of high statementship and bold policy. He wanted to increase the number of girls in his kingdom, the number of girls born in his kingdom, and decreed that each family would, so long as they had girl babies, they would, were to continue having children. But as soon as they had a male child, they would stop. So if, if for instance, a couple had three girls, they could have a fourth child. And if the fourth child were a boy, then they would stop. If it were a fourth child were a girl, they'd have to have another, a fifth child. So conceivably, you could have 10 children as long as they're all girls. Or 20. or, or Exactly. Some poor exhausted woman might have <laughs> 50. But, but if, if your you, first child's a boy. Then you would stop. You're done. Okay. So now the question is, the first part of the question is, would this policy succeed? Would he, in fact, have more baby girls born into his realm? Okay. And the second part of the question is, what would be the average number of children in each family if this worked? The two questions we're looking for is, would it work? Would there be more girls than boys? Which, to my minor mathematical mind, I'm not giving anyone any hints here. I would think yes, but I don't know. And number two, what would the average number of children? And so this, we're talking about birth rates here, right? Uh, yes, effectively, right. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we have to make an assumption that, if, that of course, as many boys as girls are born— uh, Although, really, actually, human pregnancies don't an actually end up that way. I don't know if some of your listeners may know that more boys are born than girls, but for some reason, but um, more girls survive to adulthood. Hmm. But we're assuming here that it's a 50-50? Right, 50-50, okay. exactly. All right, so, that's, so this can be figured out just using common mathematical sense. Yeah, common sense. Not even mathematical sense, just common sense. Well, if you have an answer to this, you can email us, correct? Right, at kuafinfo at uark.edu. That's kuafinfo at uark.edu. And what fabulous prizes will we, will we be offering, Kyle? You'll get a uh, KUAF coffee mug, and we're also going to send you uh, a CD uh, about the presence of the U.S. So, Oh, great. Yeah. So, again, the problem is, would the sultan's policy succeed of, having, of increasing the number of girls in his realm? Would it succeed? And then... Oh, and how, what is the average number of children that he might expect in each family? And you can answer those questions. Again, send your answers to kuafinfo at uark.edu, kuafinfo 
at uark.edu. We'll have the answer, the winner's name, next week and a new problem. problem. All right. Thanks much. Thank you. 